0: All right, we're gonna talk about urban gardening or getting started there. Okay, how many of you have farms already? You do? You have a farm? Anybody else have a farm already? No? You do, thank you. Um, So how many of you live in the city now? In the city? Suburbs. Suburbs, yes, okay. So any of you live in an apartment? So, if you live in the suburbs, you have a little bit of a quarter of an acre? Okay, all right, so what can we do with with a small um, bit of ground that way? All right, Um, we're told that if we will ask God, that He will will teach us. And we're given multiple um, promises like that in the Bible. One that I like a lot uh, comes from Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33, uh, 2 and 3. God is talking to Jeremiah and he says, Thus saith the Lord who made it. He's talking about making the earth. The Lord who formed it to establish it. <clears throat> the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Another translation says, I will tell you things that you could not possibly know. There. Since we have such a great promise, let's ask for it right now. Father in heaven, you give us such great gifts. We thank you for it. The earth and the bounty that you produce. Uh, now you offered to teach us, and we need that and ask you for that right now. In Jesus' name, amen. There. Uh, all right, if you, have, if you have a little bit of space... Uh, where you can plant trees. You can get incredible growth. This is a; These are trees that were planted, well, it's a year and a half after I planted those. That was in Brazil. And we were doing the Ellen White planting method. If you have the room to do that, you can get more produce per square foot per acre off of trees than almost anything else once the trees are, you know, uh, mature up. And in a year and a half's time, I want to tell you, the, here's a little cashew tree. Um, we had, a, had little tiny things, sticks, we were putting in the ground here. And you can see that in a year and a half, there's my hand on the tree. You can see what tremendous growth we had there. Um, we, have, we have treasures in the Seventh-day Adventist Church which have been given to this church, um, Not for us to hang on to, but for us to teach the rest of the world. There's one place where Ellen White says that the children of Israel were placed where they were because it's in the crossroads. And so they were to teach the rest of the world how to grow produce, how to grow plants without disease. And then she goes on to say that that's our job today, is to teach the rest of the world how to grow... plants, how to grow our food without disease. And when we do that, the, the, the world will flock to us to learn that. Uh, the way food is grown today, uh, it is very, the way food is grown today, uh, it is very, very deficient. Uh, and when we track the Uh, the use of glyphosate which is Roundup and disease as glyphosate has gone up the disease rate has gone up with that just incredibly Um, just right right with it there okay so let's get back to what we can do with a small area we were just um, if you come to the our table out there during the break um, there's one thing we can do, which is a vertical garden. So, when you don't have space or when you have a greenhouse and the space is precious, you can hang that vertical garden on the north wall so that it gets sunshine. You can hang it on a patio there. And each, it's got 16 little pockets on it. And each of those little pockets, you can put soil in, or you could put a pot in with a plant and you can have 16 different plants there. So you can have lots of different, um, lots of different plants uh, uh, growing there. Okay, um, I want to tell you that with the, with the information that we have in the spirit of prophecy and uh, <clears throat> in the Bible, and then careful observation of nature, those are three sources of divine wisdom. We often say that nature is God's other book there. So if we will look at those sources of information, um, we, we come up with growing methods that are, that are different and that are so superior that, to anything that the world is doing today. Um, I think I will go into what I believe would be Uh, I I feel like there's a tremendous need, a tremendous need for us to develop a growing pod or like a greenhouse using the principles from the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. And uh, a few years back, we developed what we call the Omega Greenhouse. Now, that was a greenhouse using principles from the spirit of prophecy. And... I gave the engineers and the young men working on this project, I just gave them free reign to do whatever they wanted with it. And so they came up with a very good greenhouse, but it's expensive. It's way too expensive for most people there. So now we're working on a project where we are using um, what we call a water canopy. Anybody heard of a water canopy greenhouse? Do you know what that is? Okay. Uh, let's go to Genesis 1, 6, and 7. And in, in Genesis 1, 6, and 7, God's, uh, God is creating the earth. On the second day, God said, Let there be a firmament, or let there be a sky, um, in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the sky, from the waters which were above the sky. <clears throat> and it was so, and God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Now, let's look at this just briefly here. We don't have much time in these sessions. Um, uh, if we look at the <clears throat> fossil record in the earth, we find that that anything that grew back there before the flood, grew just gigantic, just huge, much more vigorous than, than their descendants today. Uh, today we have uh, some kind of mosses, club mosses, and, and sometimes they get this, this big there. In the fossil record, we find the same moss, 50 feet, 50 feet. Um, what about a little dragonfly? Today they're three, maybe four inches at the most. Uh, in the fossil record, we have dragonflies that are 30 inches and even 36-inch wingspans there, incredibly big. Now, let's go to the written record. We'll go to Genesis, and we'll go to uh, Ellen White's writings. Ellen White says that Adam was more than twice the size of men today. I'm about six feet tall. That would make Adam about 12 feet tall. And of course he'd have to be proportioned there. She says that he was well proportioned. That would make Adam, when we do the math on it, that would make Adam weigh over 2,000 pounds. Tremendous there. Recently in <clears throat> Turkey, um, they discovered at the base of Mount Ararat, they discovered a tomb. Um, they say that it's Noah's tomb because it's good for tourism. Whether it's no no or not in that tomb, we don't know. What we do know is that the skeleton of the man in that tomb is of a 12-foot tall man. Incredibly big. Incredibly big there. Tells us that there were giants in the land. Um, Tells us that it did not rain on the earth before the flood. Then, of course, all that water canopy that was above the earth collapsed. So. Um, I'll try to cut this short so if we were to make a growing chamber with water above so that all of the sunlight has to shine through the water and through the glass or the plastic and then to the plants what do you think would happen I'll tell you what's happened we've already been experimenting with that in one case um, in Western Tennessee Dr. Calvin Dents build a greenhouse like that. The, the design was so that we would have 12 inches of water above the growing space. All of the light has to shine through the water and then into the greenhouse there. Now, in January one year, I sent Dr. Dents some papaya seeds. These were very sweet papayas that I had tasted in, Brazil, in um, uh, Honduras and uh, they were not genetically modified, so I brought some of that seed back and I sent some to him. In January, on the top of his refrigerator, inside the house, in little pea pots, he planted those seeds there. And this is January, and then when it got warm enough so that he could take those and plant them outside in his outside garden, and three of them inside his greenhouse with this much water in the roof, um, uh, well, he tra- he transplanted those. Now, <clears throat> I called him in June. These were planted in January on the refrigerator. Um, in June, I called him and said, Hey, Calvin, how are those papayas doing? And he said, Oh, he said, They're doing very well. He said, Matter of fact, I planted 10 of them outside in the outside garden and they're up about um, 10 to 14 inches and the color is good and they're vigorous plants. And he was very pleased with it. He said, No, no, Calvin. Tell me about those three you put in the greenhouse. Oh, those. They're all six and seven feet tall and they're covered with 72 green papayas. I uh, didn't have ripe papayas yet, probably takes about 10, 10 months to get uh, ripe papayas there. Uh, <clears throat> you can see that if we used Ellen White's planting method, like we did here, that was a little stick and you can see how big that, that's an avocado tree there how big that tree is in in a year and a half, a year and a half. You can see that if we use the Ellen White Planting Method, which is a bit of divine wisdom to this church for us to share with the rest of the world, okay? Um, And if we were to combine some of these other principles, uh, that we could could grow tremendous amounts of food, and we could even do it on a balcony from a... a, um, an apartment building or something there. Now, we are told that we should get out of the cities into the country, so please don't use this as an excuse to stay in the city. But get out uh, on a piece of land where you can grow your own provisions there, uh, and and we would be much, much better off there. Okay, um, anybody have questions? Anything you'd like to talk about? Any. What what do you put on the trees that grow so fast? You said that you wanted a very little plant. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. The question is do we put any fertilizer on those trees? What do we do? Um, The first thing we do is to test the soil. Okay. Now, uh, in Ellen White's day, they did not have the Testing that we have today. She would agree with this. She says she says one place that we should that different plants need different Nutrients and so we should study the needs of each plant um, And then provide that so she would agree with this She was very progressive in things like that So the first thing we do is we test the soil so that we know what's in the soil and what is not in the soil now we don't use just any soil test because Um, You can get a free soil test sometimes at the local uh, university uh, or whatever. Um, But how they're doing that is that they are taking that soil and they are testing it with very strong acids. Now they get an accurate result as to what's in that soil. The trouble is that your plants don't use strong acid to mine that soil. Your plants are exuding a little tiny uh, jelly-like substance. Now, uh, take a plant and use a magnifying glass, look at its roots, and you'll see tiny little white um, hair-like roots coming out. At the end of those, they're exuding a little jelly-like substance. That's going to dissolve the minerals in the soil and the organic matter so that that plant can take it up there. Uh, Now, Uh, There are lots of things in the soil that are tied up in bonds so tight that they're not available to our plants. So when we use the standard test, that's what we're we're testing for, see? And that's what we get. So we know what's in the soil. But if it's not available to the plant, it's not doing us any good. So uh, my own personal choice is that I use international ag labs, and I'll um, give you the information for that if you want. go to my website and get it Uh, that's a much more expensive test for the lab and for us and uh, basically it's going to cost sixty dollars then it will cost you another six dollars and eighty cents to ship that uh, soil sample to to the lab and in a couple weeks time we will know exactly what's available to the plant in your soil there so that's the first thing we did so we tested the soil here uh then, <clears throat> then based on that soil test, uh, we got soft rock phosphate, and we got some calciums. We got uh, a number of other different things. Now, um, uh, we, we, we get the major nutrients that your plant needs, uh, as well as trace minerals as best we can. Now, let's go a step further than that, and that is that in, here, you wanna use this chair here. Uh, Let's go a step further than that, and that is that um, there are uh, 92 different minerals in human blood, okay? They're all in a perfect balance. There are 92 different minerals Uh, in ocean water, and they are in the same balance. We analyze ocean water, we analyze human blood, and they match. Almost exactly, not quite, almost exactly. Now, there are three main differences. The first one is that as uh, excess whatever is washed into the ocean in our rivers, our streams, that the, the iron does not stay in solution. Almost all of the iron drops to the ocean floor. Yeah. In, in our blood, we have lots of iron. So we have red blood and the ocean water is clear. Now, a similar thing happens with the phosphate. There's lots of phosphate in the ocean. It's in bones, it's in shells, and it's on little modules on the ocean floor. So there's lots of phosphate in the ocean. There's not adequate phosphate in ocean water uh, to grow good land plants. I've tried it, it doesn't work there. So so we have to pay attention to those two things. The third thing is that all life on Earth is electrical, including our plants. And in the ocean, in, in the ocean uh, with all of these mineral salts, the electrical currents can freely flow in the ocean, so it's not a problem. On land, on land it's nitrogen that brings that electrical current into, she's all right, it brings that, uh, it's nitrogen that brings that electrical current into the plant. So we always have to pay attention to nitrogen. Also there's a nitrogen cycle, which means that nitrogen is constantly going back into the air. So nitrogen is a gas. And so we constantly have to be, uh, pay attention to that. And the nitrogen that we use is always tied up with something else there. <clears throat> and nitrogen, phosphate, <clears throat> and iron if we need it. Often there's enough iron already in, in the soil that we don't need to add it. So we want to do that. And then we want to use ocean water salts uh, there. Now we use the ocean water salts here too. And, yeah, throw on some other... Well, let's go back. There. Okay. You can see tremendous growth here. So um, uh, I want to just tell you that with the ocean water salts, with all of those different minerals in the perfect balance um, that God creates in the the ocean, there, um, that we get some very, very interesting results. I'll just give you one to begin with here and that is um, a year ago, just about a year ago in February, I planted 12 fruit trees uh, in my house and we dug the deep holes um, and then we did the layering and whatever there. One of those trees was a nectarine tree which got very very sick. Now nectarines and peaches and whatever get a disease we call peach leaf curl and it's an uncontrolled growth of cells. Um, in humans and animals, we call that cancer. In peach, peaches, we call it peach leaf curl, there. So these, <clears throat> this little tree got peach leaf curl just very, very badly, there. So I mixed up some ocean water. You have to dilute it, you can't use it di- uh, directly there. I mixed up the ocean water, and I went out and I drenched that tree. That means this tree was about this high means I took a watering can with this diluted ocean water and just poured it all over that tree. Now, uh, I did that um, twice a week apart. There, so I did that twice, and plenty of the water fell to the ground so it could go into the roots of that that tree. Uh, Within about a week, all of those diseased leaves turned black and fell off the tree. It died, they fell off the tree. You're not gonna heal those. There. Uh, All of the new leaves that came on were very, very healthy. That tree just looked wonderful. Deep color, nice color, and nice, vigorous growth, whatever. Now, keep in mind, I just planted that tree. And now it bloomed out with lots of flowers. Uh, And 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 I got the biggest surprise, when those, nectarines were ripe um, they were absolutely delicious some of the very best that I had ever eaten now I went up to Klamath Falls to a, a camp meeting up there and I wanted a I wanted a demonstration so I took some of these nectarines that weren't even ripe yet they were getting they were getting close to being ripe but they weren't ripe yet there uh, so I cut them up and put them on plates and pass it out to the people in the, at the seminar there. To a person, everybody who tasted that those nectarines, everybody who tasted them, said, wow, those are the best nectarines I've ever eaten. And they weren't even ripe. There, yes, now the same thing will happen as far as flavor and as far as nutrient value, the same thing will happen with your carrots, with your uh, tomatoes, uh, with beets, uh, Onions—you can grow onions that are almost so sweet that you can almost eat them like apples. There. Now, uh, not only is the nutritional value up and the immune system up in these plants, uh, but the but the flavor is just incredible. There, you won't have any trouble getting your kids to eat fruits and vegetables that are grown that way. There. So, we want to use the ocean water, and we did use some ocean water here. it actual ocean water? Like, I could go out to the beach and grab some. You can go to the beach, go to a clean part of the ocean, don't go to a bay, okay? And you can get ocean water. Okay, now, let me tell you how inexpensive this stuff is to use. If you, if you live close to the ocean, you can walk down there and get a bucket of water. There. If you do that, take the ocean water, one quart of ocean water, to 10 quarts of fresh water. okay, And you want to put that on your garden or your fruit trees uh, about four times in a whole year. If you live in an area where there's lots of rain, you could do it up to six times in a growing season. If you live in a drier area, uh, you want to limit that to four. And you may want to test the soil to make sure <clears throat> that you're not getting too much This, so simple ideas, things that God's prepared for us that we can use and get really, really good results. There. All right. Anybody else have a question? Yes, sir. Are there any techniques for growing uh, fruit trees like from warm uh, weather up north in cold weather, like for example, citrus? Yes. Where do you live? Uh, New York City. New York City. I'm planning on being Pennsylvania, which is kind of like the same. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're in a pretty cold uh, area. Okay, I live in the mountains in California. Snowed there um, day before yesterday when I was on my way here. It snowed at my house. Um, so I'm in relatively cold weather there. I got lots of avocados this year from an avocado tree in a greenhouse. That um, that uh, Omega greenhouse, which is using principles from the Spirit of Prophecy. There. Uh, So, yes, (coughs) also, excuse me, also, there's the the way you fertilize the tree will make a difference. Um, For instance, uh, we can turn a plant on and off by the type of nitrogen that we use on it. If I were to use um, calcium nitrate, uh, the nitrate fertilizers are going to make leaves and stems grow. And when I have a tomato plant that's this big, I want the leaves and stems to grow. I want that plant to get big. When that tomato plant's about this big, I want to turn that off. And I want to turn it on to growing flowers and fruit. And so we change the nitrogen that we're feeding that tree to to the ammonia nitrogen. So now we're putting in an uh, an ammonia-type nitrogen there. And Um, I even have a simple formula that you can make from the grocery store um, that will turn a plant on and off. So my avocado tree a year ago had no fruit. Um, it, um, the avocado trees can grow 60 feet tall, so you have to prune this thing to keep it low and in, in the greenhouse. Yeah, but but it, it was not. It was a, it's a young tree, so I doused this tree with the formula that would make flowers and fruit come. And in the spring, it was covered with little white flowers. And then, um, probably two weeks ago, I ate the last avocado off of it. But very nice avocado. So yes, you can. So greenhouse and then controlling uh, the the growth of the flowers and the fruits with the nitrates. Yes. Yes. Now, when you're growing in a greenhouse and you're growing a tree, you want to put it in a big pot in the ground. Otherwise, that tree will take over the greenhouse. Now, an an identical greenhouse to mine in Brownsville, California, a man put an avocado tree in there. In less than a year, he just put it in the ground, didn't put it in a pot. In less than a year, um, that avocado tree had taken over that greenhouse, and he had to come in with a chainsaw and cut it down and get it out of there. So, you know, we we need some some balance there. All right. <clears throat> Anybody else have a question? Yes, ma'am. When you say uh, the Spirit of Prophecy has given us, by like, um, from uh, using the Colin method, where would we find that? Uh, <clears throat> okay. On that table out there, it says Sun Country. Uh, it's right there by the center. Uh, there's a DVD called Planting by the Blueprint. Okay, you can get that, it's about uh, 57 minutes long, and it's a demonstration as to how that's done. Uh, you can also look on YouTube, and you can probably watch it for free, but you need an update to that, because since we made that about 10, 12 years ago, because of changes in agriculture and because of new things we've learned, uh, we've made some changes to that. So get the update uh, with that. <coughs> That's out. That's outside here. It's also in the workbook. We have a workbook here. Um, Has lots of different pictures in it, and uh, we do that. Picture's worth a thousand words. So, yeah. Go ahead, Andrew. Uh, The table. The products will be available for sale um, at a certain point this this evening. But we'll be here also till Sunday morning too. What's that? Oh, okay. Let me, let me just show you a picture from the greenhouse. Okay. Can you, can you see those two trees in there? Can you see that, from where you are there? Okay. I want to tell you that this is three years from the time was, those trees were planted. They were both just little trees as big as a pencil when I put them in the ground. These are um, coastal redwood uh, cedars. <coughs> and the one was planted the Ellen White method. The other is planted the forestry method. A huge difference, just a huge difference in uh, in planting. Yeah, we got we got some pictures towards the end, don't we? On that, go go towards the end and see what we can find there. There. <clears throat> we also make a tree planting kit that gives you you know there's um, there are a lot of different rock powders that we need. There, there we go. That's the same one there. Can you tell which one was planted the Ellen White method? Yeah. Yeah, the, <laughs> the you know we've had a drought for several years in California and till now now we're flooded but, <laughs> but that little tree on the right did not survive uh, the drought there <clears throat> in the same neighborhood there we have a um, a man came to me came to one of my seminars. And his uncle had planted pear trees, a pear orchard, 60 years ago. So he took me up to look at this pear orchard uh, there, and I find that trees that are two years old, planted the Ellen White method, are far bigger and superior to those 60 year old trees. Yes. Um, So a lot of of benefit if we will follow that. All right. Yes, ma'am you were talking about do you have pictures of that or do you have um is that in the also, or is that still in the works that you're... That is uh, still in the works one thing that we're doing with the um with the water canopy uh, is that we want to we want to make that so inexpensive that we can use it in third world countries okay it is. We have done a number of different things, um, and we're experimenting now. It's not available. If you want to build one yourself, I'll give you all the information that I can freely. Um, uh, We hope to be able to make, um, make that available in the near future. There, let's see. I think I have a picture here somewhere. Okay. See if you can see that. Um, One is just showing the water canopy on the earth there. Uh, The other is showing that we put a water canopy against a building. If this were to be against a house or a barn, whatever, um, when we do it this way, we can get what's called a thermal siphon because as water heats up, it gets bigger, and so it gets lighter and it goes up. So the cold water drops, the hot water rises. If we have this in a full circle here, the hot water goes up and empties into a tank on the north side of the greenhouse. And then from the floor of that greenhouse, we have pipes going over to the south side of the greenhouse. So by the end of a sunny day, even in the middle of winter, um, you will have lots of excess heat there we're closer in the northern hemisphere, we're closer to the sun in the wintertime than we are in the summertime. And so if you've got a, a full day of sunshine, you've got lots of excess heat. Besides that, all of this soil in the greenhouse here uh, is also uh, a way of storing heat. We can actually We can actually go so far as to store heat from summer in the ground and use it in the winter. Um, there's some interesting um, projects that have been done with that. Now obviously we have to have this insulated. We have to have the ground insulated or you'd lose this, the heat sideways there. But they're very interesting things that we can do. Now in the wintertime we have maybe 8 hours of sunshine and 16 hours of darkness. So that means we're going to have 16 hours of cooling and only 8 hours of possible um, increase. So this has to have a one-way valve here so that when the sun goes down this doesn't reverse because this flow would reverse unless we had that one-way valve in there. Anyway, there there are lots of little things that we can do to uh, tweak this uh, to make it much more effective. And they're simple, they're easy. There are things that we've actually done. We've actually done, um, uh, in one case, um, took um, the cheapest plastic we can get. If we were gonna paint this room, we'd buy a plastic tarp and we'd throw it out on the carpet so we don't drip paint on it. We've taken that cheap of plastic, that's about as cheap as you can get, cut it into long, <clears throat> into long strips and heat sealed it and made what we call water pillows. So one water pillow was put here with a big rod through the middle of it. And then above that, we took another water pillow and placed it right on top of the first one uh, and with a rod through the middle of it so we could hang it on either end on something very strong and one water pillow after another after another until we actually had a little hoop house now this was not a whole greenhouse it was just something about this big uh, and last was it last year or the year before in Western Tennessee where this was being done uh, <coughs> Uh, had temperatures that got down to zero, so um, 32 degrees below freezing there. And I've got a picture of a of a thermometer uh, reading right outside this little hoop house and right inside. Uh, and one reads, I think it reads uh, a degree or two above zero, and inside it's 32 degrees. Now because of the the um, uh, the phase change in water, because of the phase change in water, um, you, you have far more um, protection there. It's like when your ladies are cooking, and you turn the heat on at a constant rate, and the, the temperature in that pan goes up and up and up and up and up, and just before it boils, it stops. It doesn't go up anymore. It just kind of stops there for a while. And you say, what's happening? You've got the same amount of heat. Uh, got it constant, and it's not going up. It's going into a phase change. It takes extra heat now to change it into steam. And so there's a, there's a phase change where extra energy is taken there and, there, and then if it goes from steam back to water, then that's the reverse of the... And the same thing happens with ice changing from liquid to ice there. So because of the phase change it's far more effective than if you just had a whole bunch of rocks or something in the greenhouse to store your heat. So water is a far better uh, way of uh, storing that heat. Besides, water is very very easy to move with a little pump. A rock is very hard to move. Uh, in this um, diagram that we have here of the the uh, water canopy greenhouse against a building let's say it's against a home there uh, we would be able to not only heat the greenhouse in the winter time but also heat the adjoining home in the middle of winter there so if you're in the if you're in the country and you're heating with wood or whatever you need far less fuel uh, because the Sun can do so much more for you there all right, other questions? What is <clears> that white powder that you put on the Oh, what's that white powder? Um, remember, I talked about uh, we need to test the soil? Okay, that is a mixture there. That came out of the tree planting kit. Uh, those are different rock powders, and about half of it is um, soft rock phosphate. Okay. And then some of it is gypsum, some of it is lime. And depending on what part of the country you you live in, we vary that. If you were in the desert, we would make a little different mix than if you were um, in Oklahoma. So what's that? So it's all natural. It's all natural. Yes, it's all natural. Oh, another thing we can put in that, but another thing we do put in that is uh, when, you, when you get to um, When you get into the garden uh, or onto your soil, there's nothing that will give you better results than to make that soil alive. Now, most of our food today is grown on dead soil, mostly dead soil. But what we want to do is to make that soil alive. We make it alive with microbes. We make it alive with um, different fungi plants, different mushroom-type plants. And when we make that soil alive, you just have a tremendous uh, increase uh, in that. Let me just tell you a story. How are we doing on time anyway? Okay, so we got another 10 minutes? Okay, let me give you a story. Uh, My house in California in the mountains, um, I have a garden and my daughter has a garden right across the driveway. And uh, so one year she decided she was going to experiment with Korean uh, organics gardening, and they do, they do a good job with this. They do a lot of um, the uh, growing of different uh, fungi type um, things for the garden. So she made a big compost pile, and in and, and she put all the right ingredients into this. And we went into the woods and we gathered um, some leaf mold, whatever, because we wanna we wanted to put that type of life into the garden. We went in underneath grass plants, and we took the grass, um, we took a little bit of soil from underneath grass plants, and we put that in, because that's a different type of of microbe growing there. So we put all of these things in that um, compost pile. In a couple of weeks' time, there got to be a big yellow, looked like a big piece of cottage cheese or something growing in that compost pile there. So when the compost pile, when it had matured, they took that and they broke it up and they spread it all over their property. They've got five acres there and they, they put some on fruit trees and rose bushes and whatever there. But they took that compost pile, took it all away. I didn't think anything more about it. But the next year, they planted peppers there. Now they had three rows of peppers right on top of where this compost pile was. And they had a total of five rows of peppers. That meant they had two over here They were closer to the fence, where there was not a compost pile. There. Now, if I had nothing else to compare it with, I would have said these two rows over here, uh, I would have said we had a good crop of peppers. Uh, We had peppers that, some of them were as big as my fist there, and the pepper plants maybe were this high um, at the top there. So I would have said we had a good, good crop of peppers there in those two rows. But now you move over to these three rows that were on top of that compost pile. The plants are up this high. They're at least four times bigger in, in breadth. And they were, they were loaded down with the biggest, most beautiful um, peppers I have ever seen in my life. Just an incredible, abundant crop. So this is, this is without adding more fertilizer. This is the, the leftover residual result from making that soil um, alive. So now the, s- the <coughs> snow flies, so we cut everything down, throw it in the compost pile, and then the next year they planted corn in the same place without adding fertilizer. And I noticed a very similar thing. Now we had somebody left the gate open because on the side here there's a chicken pen. <laughs> And chickens got in there and ate most of the corn as it was coming up. <laughs> but what survived, what survived, had the same effect. Over here, the, these two rows were okay. But we move over here, and the plants are bigger and more productive and healthier um, through through the uh, through that area there. Okay. Uh, any other questions? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Uh, yes go to sun Sun, Country gardens, S-U-N suncountrygardens.com, gardens S U N. Suncountrygardens.com and in the in the workbook we'll have um, I don't have these I've got these for sale here but I have to send them to you uh, the workbook is40 dollars and it has the um, it has all of that information in it uh, besides so yes. Can you? Yes. Yes. Where do you live in Florida? Sarasota, so like, I'm in like zone nine, barely. Okay. Yes. That's a zone seven there. Let's see. Uh, I don't know what Brazil would be, but it's tropical. And uh, I've done this in Brazil, and it, it works. Now, we have different problems in Florida than we have elsewhere but the principles are the same. The physics are the same. And if we get full nutrition to those plants, your plants are going to be stronger and healthier uh, there. Uh, Let's look at just another thing that happens. Uh, We we talk about pest problems and diseases and what have you, and there's all kinds of pest problems and diseases here. Uh, And human nature is, um, i got a problem. What can I do to kill it? Okay? That's, that's where we go immediately. You know, I've got a pest problem, what can I do to kill it? Or I've got a disease, what can I do to kill it? Let's have a totally different paradigm. Uh, if you... Um, if a flu epidemic is coming through the country, whether or not you get the flu has far more to do with the strength of your immune system than the strength of that flu bug. So... Let's look at it differently. Let's get the immune system up in our plants. Let's not just look at what can we do to kill it. Uh, sometimes we do look at you know things there. But, uh, <clears throat> but let's, let's get the immune system up, and you will not have many of those problems. Talking to somebody three days ago from Florida, uh, and we've got this, um, what's the citrus greening disease we have here? Uh, It's attacking citrus trees and just giving a a lot of problems there. Anyway, there are a number of diseases that that attack the citrus trees, but this one is uh, threatening to wipe out the citrus for Florida. Um, Talking to these people, they have been using uh, on their plot of ground and on their citrus, they have been using the ocean water minerals. They also use other things, ocean water, uh, we, we need to, of course, put in the phosphate that I talked about. Uh, and often we have to add more calcium and sometimes <clears throat> some other major things that we have tested for. So anyway, they're doing those things. They have no disease with their, their trees whatsoever there. So look at the other way. How can we get the immune system up? in getting the immune system up in these plants, and then you're going to feed them to your family, your your family's immune system is going to go up. Okay. So that's that, that's the bottom line. You don't want to drink the ocean water directly. You don't. There. All There. right, I think we are about out of time. There's one last question. I'll take it, otherwise we'll. I have a kind of a general thing, Go ahead. Um, so we're in the suburbs, but I would like Sort of tells me grow where I am mm-hmm. how long does it take to get your soil back to where it should be and is it worth doing all that if I'm just going to leave it good question okay is it worth it because you're going to leave leave it there yeah yeah you're going to move the country you're going to move out of the suburbs into the country uh, yes you can you, you can get a good crop this year um, I don't have Time to go into all of it now, but you can get a good crop this year. One last question: uh, Is there any way of doing uh, the LNG white planting method for like uh, commercial production or like orchards? Uh, yes. I know it's a lot of work just to do one. Yes. Mm. Yes, it's a lot of work and a lot of material there. And uh, when we're planting bigger areas, of course, you've got to use a backhoe or something. Um, Ellen White uh, said that they made long trenches and planted that way. That's a that's a good way too. Thank you. You guys have been a great class. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.